Hi, I'm David, a school founder and CEO, a mindfulness teacher and leadership coach. This is a podcast for paradigm shifters just like you, ready to reignite the flames of passion that drew you into education in the first place. If you're ready to live in flow, lead with love, and be the fullest version of the change maker you always dreamed of, then join me as I break down the mindfulness, leadership, and life teachings that have completely changed my life while also speaking with guests whose wisdom have inspired new ideas and transformation across the globe. Join me on the journey of becoming a mindful education warrior. Hello, everyone. I'm really excited to introduce you today to Janet Philbin. I think you're going to love our conversation. Janet has been in my life for several years as someone who helped me heal my own inner child. And we're going to have a little conversation about what it means to heal your inner child. Why is self-care important? I can talk about how I've completely changed my life. I will do this in a solo episode around actually caring for myself and what was the root issue for why I didn't. And you'll hear Janet speak to that a little bit too. Janet is a licensed clinical social worker, certified clinical trauma professional, certified hypnotherapist, and a certified conscious parenting coach. She's the author of the best-selling book, Show Up For Yourself, A Guide to Inner Awareness and Growth. She has been a successful clinician with her own practice for over 30 years, and her passion is to help you show up for you and to help you develop strong connections within yourself. She's an expert in helping clients uncover and heal the issues of the inner child, which we will speak to in this episode, and how it's influencing you regularly in your adult life. She's been on TV, a guest speaker at many summits, published in magazines, and a guest on many podcasts as an expert in her field. So excited to have her, and we're going to talk about how to develop your non-negotiable for self-care, how to take immediate action to ensure you actually fall through with your self-care. Simple and easy ways to implement self-care in your daily life, getting to the root issue and starting to actually go back to why you got into teaching in the first place and what your spark is, where that spark was and reconnecting with that. Because that's related to why you are overtired, disconnected, or just feeling overwhelmed in general. Then we talk about the inner child And like I said, how it's affecting your daily life in so many ways. And then how these patterns and coping mechanisms you developed as as a child to keep you safe, that we all did, how that is actually affecting you today and how you can actually start to transform that by recognizing it and following some of the advice that she shares. And she also gives like good examples on how to calm your nervous system, breathing techniques, how to love yourself more, how to forgive yourself. So much great stuff in here, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks, everyone. Hello, everyone. I'm really excited today to be with Janet, and you heard about her bio briefly in the introduction, but I'm really excited because I've spent a lot of time working with Janet on a personal level and also been following her work for a long time, and it's a real treat to be spending some time with you today, Janet, and thanks for agreeing to be on the podcast with us. Of course, I'm happy, always happy to uh, have these conversations. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, I wanted to start the conversation by talking about self-care because I feel like you do a lot of work with parents and moms, and I think there's a lot of parallels with teachers and educators around we're such givers and helpers, and we're really good at taking care of everyone but ourselves. 
And so I kind of want just to start with like, what do we, what do we mean when we say self-care and, you know, what advice would you have for busy educators that are trying to figure out how to even fit this into their life? Yeah, I think it's, it's really important, especially for educators. And I would venture a guess to say that most of the educators who find themselves finding this podcast are more than likely parents or maybe caregivers of their own parents. So they're not only caregiving for their students, but they're, you know, taking care of their own families, partners, and maybe their own parents or someone else in their life. And so we always wind up coming last, right? And that leads to burnout. And I know burnout is pretty typical and common for teachers. I have a lot of teachers who are clients of mine and have always had a large population of teachers in my caseload. Yeah. Self-care is super important. Self-care means exactly what it says. It's not rocket science. Right, right. It's like, oh, I'm important too, and I have to make myself a priority. Like, what is going to be your non-negotiable every single day Mm, you need to do to take care of you? Does that mean getting up 10 minutes earlier to have a quiet cup of tea or coffee at your kitchen table before anyone wakes up? Does that mean giving yourself five extra minutes in the shower? Time to read a book for fun, meditate, exercise, a hobby you love, like maybe you like to play an instrument or crochet or play pickleball. Yeah. Where are you making yourself a priority? Because if you don't make yourself a priority and do something loving for yourself, then when other people are pulling on you, needing you, you don't really have the resources to give because you've not given to yourself. I remember when my youngest daughter was in kindergarten, Mm -hmm. it was um, a book that all the kindergarten teachers were using and they were kind of using it as how they're going, the kindergartners would be able to be in their day-to-day life with their friend. Right. And it yeah. was about filling your bucket. And I don't know oh, if yeah. you're familiar with this little book, but yes. this is about 18 years ago. So it's not a new book. And I don't even know if it was new then, but this was the philosophy the kindergarten teachers were using at the time. The school was using, is your bucket full? To me, filling your own bucket first is self-care because when we do that, then we don't feel depleted in giving to others. You know, you're a teacher, you're standing in front of that classroom every single day. It is not about you when you're in the classroom. So when you're in the classroom, you have to make it about you. So it doesn't matter to me what someone's self-care is. Right. As long as you're doing something that refuels your soul, that fills your bucket, that brings some kind of internal sense of joy, Mm -hmm. that when the kid in your class is making you absolutely crazy, you can pause for a minute and say, okay, wait, I did do yoga for 15 minutes this morning, or 
have an appointment for a massage as soon as school gets out this afternoon. Yes. Or I'm going walking with my dear friend on my yeah. lunch, whatever yeah. it is. So that's self-care. It means making yourself a priority and doing something that has meaning for you. Right. That's wow. And I, simple as yeah. that. It's not, it's not that complicated. Yeah. Well, I love the examples that you gave because there's so many and you know, it's not like people can't find 10 minutes in a day, right? We think we can't. think we can. <laughs> but I always give the example of like, you know, when you really need to exercise and then you can't get to the gym. So it's like this circular pattern of like, I really need to get to the gym, but I'm so tired, I can't get to the gym. And so it's the same thing with self-care. It's like, can you start with some real like small turtle steps? Like you said, 10 minutes, even like two minutes, maybe mm-hmm. start with two minutes. It's like, Mm-hmm. I'm going to start with two minutes today. And I love that you said, what is your non-negotiable for yourself? You know, what it's like, you're not negotiating. I was mm-hmm. working with a group yesterday of teachers and we were talking about meditation and self-care and really like prioritizing yourself. And one of the ladies had shared that her mind will like talk her into like, oh, I have to spend 10 minutes a day with myself. And then she'll, some other thing will happen. She's like, well, I, I spent four minutes, you know, it was kind of like working on myself. So then she'll start, you know, it'll be like three minutes at the end of the day. So it's like, you're not negotiating this. This is happening and it's nothing you're going to like, you're not going to just talk yourself out of it. Right. And I think what happens is when we don't take immediate action, Mm -hmm. we do exactly what that teacher was saying is we don't actually find the time we want it. We make excuses, we procrastinate. So there's a really great book by Mel Robbins. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's called The Five Second Rule, right? So I love this. You know, she started it out of necessity because she was so depressed and stuck in bed. Right. But I love teaching this to my clients because there is neuroscience behind it. That when you count back five, four, three, two, one, when you hit the number one, you go, you do it, you go put on your sneakers, you start meditating, you go to your exercise spot, you pick up your book, you drink water. Yeah. I mean, or full glass of eight ounce glass of water first thing in the morning before your coffee or tea, that's self-care. Yes. Okay. So when we can institute this tiny little mind trick. Because what it does is it interrupts the thought pathways, the neural pathways in your brain and changes your direction. Oh, I know I need to exercise today. I know I I need to um, go drink water. But we don't do it. We let our, we that space gives ourselves just five seconds enough to get distracted. Oh, let me put away the laundry. Yeah. Let me scrub the stove top. So instead, when you have the thought, I need to meditate today, five, four, three, two, one, go sit down in your chair and meditate. Now you take action. Yes. And that will help people get started. Because people say, well, I have all these great ideas. I don't know how to do it. This is the way to do it. So I've been borrowing Mel Robbins five seconds with my clients. And I really find that it works. And it's actually something I've been using for myself since learning it. And I really find it works because you can't okay. stop your stop that momentum. Right, right. Okay. And so, well, okay, so they're taking a five, four, three, two, one. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I know what I was going to ask. What is the root issue that is really going on here? Right? Is it that? Is it self, a lack of self compassion? Is it? You know what I'm getting at. I do, but um, I would say that yeah. the root issue that is causing the procrastination or the inability to make yourself a priority or do any kind of self-care is going to be different for every single person. Exactly. The reason why it's different for every single person is because every single person has had different life experiences. Even we grew up in the same town and went through all the same schools and we were the same socio-cultural, middle-class, ethnic background. Right. Our lives are going to be completely different because we had different experiences from the very beginning. And based on the experiences we have in life that we have to go through, survive, Um, we develop certain coping skills in order to survive. And we each have within us an inner child. And this is the younger version of ourself that I believe, no, this is what I believe, that when you could find all about the inner child in any literature, just type it into Google, But I believe our inner child comes in when we're born into this world through our parents as pure, whole, intact, and worthy. And then we're born into this family of origin with all of its struggles. All of this is what we would say in Yiddish, mishigas. All of the crazy, in a way. All of the nuttiness bad, good, or indifferent, varying forms, everything your parents have brought. And so as you go through experiencing life and things are emotionally painful, we develop coping skills in order to survive. So if you're raised in a household where mom and dad are fighting a lot, you decide, okay, I can't hear this. I can't handle this. This is too overwhelming for me. I'm going to go play in my room with my door closed. And so you learn to isolate and avoid conflict. So now anytime you hear as an adult, someone's voice raised, you have to deal with conflict. Your instinct is to run and hide, to avoid. Yep. And so that is your, what I like to call the wounded inner child in action. Mm-hmm. who is defended, who is using his or her coping skills when a similar event in the present touches feelings that were very, very similar in the past. Right. And the reason why we use these coping skills is because the unconscious mind has no sense of time. So right. you might be a seasoned teacher in the classroom and all of a sudden, the kids in the classroom start arguing or the t- the principal comes in and gets a little confrontational with you. And your instinct is to turn off, become emotional and just want to crawl under your desk. Yeah. Even though you can't physically crawl under your desk, you're trying to find ways to hide. That is because you're the younger version of yourself senses danger 
Yeah. And you go back to the old coping skills because that younger version of yourself doesn't know you're a grown-up teacher in the classroom right now. Right. Says, Someone's yelling, I got to get out of here. Yeah. And you do everything you can to crawl out of your skin and exit. So that inner child or the wounded inner child is the one in charge of how yes. your adult self is functioning in the present. You may find that happens in your parenting. You may find it happens in your most significant relationships at home or at work. Yep. And it can the reactions can range. Maybe you overeat, maybe you undereat, maybe you drink, maybe you procrastinate, lie, avoid, pick a, pick something. Yeah. Right. So it just shows up in our adult life in ways that don't work when we're an adult, but they work when we're little because they were survival skills. Right. And so if you're a teacher, Mm -hmm. and to your point, it's so funny because I was at school yesterday and one of the teachers came into the office Mm. and it was kind of awkward because I was there, (laughs) but I was talking with the principal and she came in and she was massively triggered, like crying. And one of the other teachers had said something to her that really triggered her. And I was like, hmm. (laughs) I could sit down right now and diagnose where this is related back to her inner child, but that's not my job. <laughs> and, but to your point, that is what was happening to that teacher. I'm going to assume like she got so triggered because she didn't know that it was the present, like, right. That the subconscious mind is thinking that X, Y, Z trigger from childhood wounded child is now totally dysregulated. She had to leave her classroom, ask someone else to go into the classroom to the principal's credit. She has a safe space where the teachers can come in when they're in that, in that place, which is great. And she needed to just see the principal for five minutes so she could breathe and get back into the classroom. But I would be so curious to hear what, if you are a teacher that's in one of these places, like what, what do you do? Like, how do you even start to work on this inner child that you're the wounded inner child that you refer to? Yeah. Well, you can't really do the work on the wounded inner child or your inner child when you're in the moment in the classroom. But one of the most helpful skills that someone can employ If they become emotionally dysregulated, if you feel emotionally hijacked, you know, I'm fine one minute. Now this happens and I want to rip this kid's head off, but I can't, you know, that's not allowed. Yeah. (laughs) We have to reorient ourselves. Okay. Reorient, excuse me, reorient yourself to the present moment, which means, okay, it's Wednesday afternoon. It's four o'clock. You look out the window, the sun is out. I'm in my classroom. I see the paintings on the wall. I'm wearing pants, a white blouse. Um, I count 25 kids in my classroom. I'm breathing. I can feel myself breathing. In this moment, I am safe. It's 2023. And so you reorient yourself very specifically to time, to place, to anything in the environment that brings you back to the present moment. So is that is that like creating the safety for the nervous system, just so it knows that, that it will create safety for the nervous system? Okay. Yes, and it tells the unconscious mind that's not happening now. Right, right. now, 
David's all grown up. He's this many yeah. years old. He's yeah. a teacher. He's in this classroom. The sun is out. It's 2023. In this moment, I am safe. Okay. And so, so you have to do that repeatedly. You might have to repeat it three, four, five, six times to get yourself yeah. back in your body. The other yes. trick is to take a regulating breath. So what okay. that means is when you inhale, make sure you're inhaling all the way into your abdomen. Because a lot of people, when they get anxious and upset, they're doing chest breathing and right. the shoulders are rising up. That's not helping. That just yeah. creates more um, stress and anxiety. And you might even feel like you're hyperventilating and it could actually trigger a panic attack. We don't right. want so you yeah. want to belly breath into your belly, but the trick is the exhale has to be longer than the inhale. Mm -hmm. So it has to be longer. It could just be three or four seconds longer, but it needs to be longer. This kind of breath actually brings your heart rate variability into regulation and it physiologically calms your autonomic nervous system down. Okay. That's that will help in addition to the reorienting yourself. Right. Okay. So when you're in the classroom, so it sounds like one real important thing is to actually recognize where you are in terms of mm -hmm. how are you feeling? Self-management, self-awareness. Mm -hmm. Like where am I? Am I triggered? What does it feel like? Mm -hmm. Because I think that, you know, with the teacher example, she was so triggered, it was obvious to her. But I know we go throughout our days where we get triggered so many times without even noticing. Yes. So I feel like that's an important part of the process too, right? Yes, noticing is very important. And anytime we get triggered, and I really hate the word triggered because that... Oh, lets, tell me. Well, yeah. that lets us blame the outside thing. And I talk okay. about it in my book, but I much... Everyone knows the word triggered, but I don't right. like the word trigger because I mean, I can say, David, you triggered me. And then somehow uh, I have to be responsible for my feelings. Or this yeah. Johnny in my classroom triggered right. me, took the crayon and drew on my lesson plans. Right. And it makes you a victim too, right? Like, yes. Yeah. And it's not Johnny's fault you got triggered. Yeah. So I prefer to say that we get poked. So okay. all triggers happen internally. So something inside of you gets woken up mm -hmm. and then we have a reaction. So when we think about it that way, that something yeah. inside of us has gotten woken up, we could say, okay, where did I just experience that sensation? The feeling is just an experience we're noticing in our body. It's just a sensation. Wow, my, my breath caught. I have a headache all of a sudden. I have butterflies in my stomach. My hands are clenched. Right. Wow, notice that. Where is that coming from? How long have I had that experience of anytime someone pisses me off, I clench my fists. Right. I close down. I can't take a breath. I get a headache. Your body is never, ever, ever going to lie to you. But we spend our whole lives ignoring the yes. messages our body is are telling us. So we don't even listen to ourselves. Right. We blame the other. You triggered me. No, 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 no. I felt something when this happened outside of me. 
You didn't make me feel that way because you and I could have the same experience externally and you'll be like, ha ha, that was hysterical and I'm rip roaring. That is so fascinating to me how somebody can be triggered or poked, as you said, by one thing and the other person's kind of like, I don't, that's not bothering me at all. It it just goes to show you that it's not an external. Because if it was external, then every single person would have the same trigger to the stimulus, right? That's right. You know, Dr. Shafali Sabari, she teaches all triggers are on the inside. Yes. And when we can remember that, we can own our stuff. And when we own our stuff, we can recognize what's going on inside of us. We can listen to that inner child within us that's hurt. And then we can take care of ourselves. And guess what? Then we're going to do some self-care. Yes. Right. Because we've gotten to the root. (laughs) Right. So it's like recognizing you're triggered, noticing. Mm-hmm. It's in the moment it's using some of those really cool techniques you shared, the mm-hmm. the, the breathing. Mm-hmm. And you can count, right? Like four in, eight out, like if that's helpful. Just yeah, help I don't you. care. You can count two in, four out. You right. know, you can yeah. count one in, three out. Like as long as it exhales longer. That's right. And so you use some tools to kind of get yourself just back to maybe like a less triggered survival oh my gosh like I'm gonna die mm-hmm. I don't remember you know getting the facts of where you are like orienting reorienting yourself and now what happens later so you've gotten through this trigger now mm-hmm. is there like a reflection period where you can say hmm, why did I get so triggered today by one comment from my colleague I would love for people to journal because when we think things about them in our head we kind of get lost in thought. Yeah. And the problem is we believe our thoughts. True. And usually that's going to lead us down a rabbit hole. Yeah. So what I like to encourage people to do, if you really want to work at uncovering where this poke came from. Why did my stomach clench? Why do I feel like I want to throw up? How come I get immediately tearful? I want to run and hide. I like people to journal by writing with their non-dominant hand. Oh, I've never heard you say this before. This is new. I've learned something new. Okay, tell me about this. So we journal with the non-dominant hand. So you could take your pen in your dominant hand and ask the question, you know, why is it that when Johnny wrote on my planner today, I felt nauseous, wanted to freak out and needed to run and cry? Yep. How old is this feeling? Who inside of me is in charge of this feeling? And switch your writing utensil to your non-dominant hand Okay. Answer the question. Oh, nice. Now, you will write very sloppy. You will write really crooked. Right. I would encourage you to use blank paper without lines. Okay. I will encourage you to use zero punctuation. To not be concerned with spelling. And just let whatever is coming through you to travel from the mind down to the fingers and out of your pen. Yeah. And so sometimes it's easier to use a writing instrument that's like a felt tip pen or something like that. Okay. Where you don't necessarily have to press so hard. 
Because if you're not used to writing with your non-dominant hand, it can be challenging. Right. But when we do that, we're accessing the right side of the brain, our creative side, that's tapping into those emotional centers. And you're going to get information you might not have known about, or if it's information you have known about it, because maybe you've done deeper work. Maybe you've worked with a therapist or a coach or something, and you've deconstructed and understood your childhood a little bit better. But this is really getting into yourself. So I love that exercise. That's a great exercise. And as we're sitting here talking, I told you before we recorded, I said that one of the reasons I started this podcast is to help educators learn all the things that I've learned over the last several years, right? And we've known each other for several years now. We've been in, you know, the Shafali courses. And I want to talk about your book. I've watched you go through the process of writing your book and all that. And as I'm sitting here, I'm remembering this other interaction I had with a school where the teacher that's that I know really well, and she came into the, I'm usually in the principal's office because I do a lot of principal coaching. So she came in and she was talking about a situation of being in between the administration and the teachers. Like mm. she's recently moved from the classroom to the administration. So this is like something I've heard her talk about over and over again when I'm like observing conversations. And so when she came in and she was very upset, I said, I said, Oh, do you want me to leave? And she said, no, no, you can stay. Like she, she wanted me to be there. And so I engaged in the quote unquote coaching conversation with her and I asked her a question about like, she probably was like getting it off her chest for a good 20 minutes. So like minute 22, I said, can you explain to me, can, can I ask you a question? Did your parents get divorced? So I think I remember you telling me that your dad's in, you know, another place. And, mm-hmm. and I said, is your, are your parents, did your parents get divorced? And she's like, yes. And I said, do you feel like when you were a child, you always had to be in the middle? And if you had to choose a side, and then she literally just started going off. She was like, yes, when I was a child and my parents got divorced, I had to choose a side. And I felt like if I told my mom, hey, I disagree with you. Or I told my dad, I disagree with you, that, that something really bad would happen to me. Or I, you know, there'd be more conflict and trauma and the divorce and all the feelings she was probably in, you know, feeling as a child. And so we talked about that just for like five minutes. And I said, you know, just, I just have a curiosity that maybe that's driving a lot of these feelings you have about being in the middle mm-hmm. and that, and this is literally the issue that I believe um, she had been working on for a long time. And so we had that conversation and I left. And every time I've seen her now for the last several weeks, she's like, you do not understand how transformative that conversation was. Like it has changed my whole entire life. Wow. And because she's, she's now realizing that, that that is one of her biggest issues is being mm-hmm. in the middle. And she's able to trace it back to that. You know, like you said, she doesn't, her, her subconscious mind doesn't realize it's from the past. She thinks right now, I have to choose between a teacher and an administrator and whatever I choose is gonna, I'm gonna end up in a really bad place and she gets upset. I'm bringing all this up because I feel like it works. And as educators, we're spending all day with children. And so the irony is not lost on me. <laughs> the actual child is triggering, triggering or poking. You, you're being poked by your own internal issues. And the mirror of the actual child is bringing out. See, that was a reframe for you because <laughs> I love it. And, and yet we don't even have this nomenclature in the school space. Like 
why are we not talking about inner child in schools when they're spending all day with children? And it's like so obvious. Yes, it's obvious when you're aware of it, like you are, yeah. like I am, right? But the teachers, and in the moment, even with ourselves, like all yeah. the work I've done, I'm sure all the work you've done on yourself, you still can potentially lose your mind and act oh, out, right? Because we all get poked. Yes. But the more we can pause, the more we can take that breath, the more we can tune into our body, the more we can recognize, okay, there's a pain point inside of me. And all that pain point is doing is looking for attention. Yeah. And guess what? The only one that can give it to you is you. But yeah. people are so afraid of their pain, they yeah. turn away from themselves and they turn to other addictions, alcohol, drugs, screens, you know, um, over-exercising, you know, anything, anything to avoid pain. They dive into work. I don't have to feel my feelings if I'm working really hard. Think about all the workaholics there are. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. You know, so again, but these are coping skills born out of service of survival. And so people ask me, how am I supposed to find forgiveness for myself? How am I supposed to have self-compassion? I do this quote unquote bad thing. Yeah. By drinking, by maybe now everyone's smoking pie, you know, whatever's going on. Yeah. And I'm like, if you were able to see another child right now, a four-year-old who went through the things you went through. Yes. And that four-year-old only had the developmental and emotional resources of a four-year-old. Doesn't it make sense that the four-year-old would develop this particular coping skill and someone will always right. say, of course. Yeah. Well, if you could have compassion for that little child, can't you have compassion for your own little child? Because he or she only had those developmental coping skills. And teachers know development. They know emotional right. development. They know psychological development. They know what you're capable of intellectually at different ages of your yes. life. Yes. So that young child only had those resources available. So therefore that young child did the very best they could to survive. And in fact, they did spectacular. And the proof is in the pudding because guess yes. what? Here you are, you survived. And that's so empowering. And one of the things I'm gonna say is, you know, my recommendation for the listeners is they find people like you to work with, right? So we worked together and did hypnosis, hypnotherapy, and it was really amazing and it helped me so much. And so find people like Janet, you know, you find the person you like, you find the style, whether it's hypnotherapy or, you know, coaching or therapy or whatever, you know, you decide, I'm not here to tell you that part, but like to start researching it and figure out what feels right to you. Mm -hmm. And that helps you actually start to get in touch with that and see that. And then what I was going to say is it's so empowering when you start to realize like, whoa, any four-year-old would have gone through what I went through. And then you're like, wait, not only did, did we go through it, but it was like really... I did a great job. Exactly. And I remember that in our sessions, in our hypnosis and hypnotherapy sessions. Like I remember those moments where I was like, wait, yes, I did a really good job given all the things that were going on at this moment. Right. So then we can have compassion for ourselves. We can forgive ourselves. We can understand what happened. Maybe we can even feel a little proud of ourselves for surviving. Okay. So I'm wondering with all of this, or educators, if they can actually find a way to turn inwards and to get clear on 
what, how can I empower myself? How am I not the victim? How am I in charge here? Like you were saying, how am I getting poked, not triggered by the external factor, but it's like, what's, what's within me? It can not only change their own life, but it can help them become a much better teacher, leader, whatever, whatever role they're playing. Does that sound right to you? Yeah. I mean, the first thing that comes up for me when I hear you uh, posing this question is for teachers, especially the seasoned ones, to tune back in and remember, why did you pick this profession? Mm, This is a noble profession. Like I think teachers, to me, you know, they're right up there under like some of the hardest job you'll ever have to do. I would agree. Most rewarding at times and most difficult at times. But there was a part of you a long time ago that for some reason or another said, I want to have an impact on a young person's life. Yeah. Because what was that? Maybe like that's another writing prompt, right? Why did you become a teacher? Mm, yes. Your non-dominant hand. Let yes. that younger self that made that choice to go into education answer and connect back with that part of you because it didn't go anywhere. I think it's, especially if you're having a hard time every day going to work and being present for your kids and maybe showing up in the way you want to, but because you're not, you feel bad about yourself and it starts this cycle of maybe not being in the classroom the way you want. And maybe there's now some shame that you're holding on to. Right. Right. So to reconnect with that part of you that wanted to be a teacher and why? Because yeah. teachers, I mean, the burnout is huge. Oh, it's huge. And it's, I'm so glad you said that, Janet, because I believe this is in the description of the podcast, but it talks about how part of the reason for the podcast is to help you reignite the flame. Yeah. Like, why did you get into the profession in the first place? Because it's not, you know, like in your field, it's not like people go into this because they want to become millionaires. You know, they're they're going into this to help people. Right? <laughs> they're going into this to help people. So, so it's like that that desire that you had to help people to be a therapist, to be a teacher, is what's driving you. And it's such a it's such a important part of what you're doing. And we get so lost about why we're doing it. And and it's a really hard job. So that's why we get lost, right? And we're going through the day being triggered, being poked, feeling bad and missing it because we're running around, you know, it's like, so we can start to slow down a little bit, pay attention, learn from the kids about how to just be in the present moment and enjoy life. And I really believe you're teaching whatever role you're in will definitely start to look differently if you just do these simple practices and you've given them some really great tangible things they can walk away with, which is also great because I feel like they're busy. (laughs) They don't have time for like long, abstract, theoretical conversations. It's like, what can I do right now? And there's so many tidbits in here that they can, they can use, which is really exciting. Before we wrap up, I'd love just to hear, is there anything, oh, I want to hear about your book. Tell us about your book. And then is there anything else you want to, you know, you want to say before we close out? I think we covered a lot. Um, I don't want to overload your listeners with even more, but my book is called Show Up for Yourself, A Guide to Inner Awareness and Growth. And in the book, I talk about my own healing journey. I think each and every one of us has stuff to heal from. And we're always given the opportunity 
to heal, to learn, to grow. And so I don't really like to think about my book as a self-help book. I think of it more as a self-growth book. So while this book takes you on my journey, it also takes you on your journey. And there are journal prompts along the way as I'm explaining something then for you to look at yourself. And I've had a lot of people come back to me with feedback saying, wow, when you ask that question, it really help me look at my anger or look at um, my inner child that was hiding really far away and I didn't even know she was there. Um, I also talk about hypnotherapy and why it is so effective. I talk about the chakras, which are our energy systems. I'm a Reiki master and I infuse energy healing into the work that I do. And I explain how it works together. It's not magic woo-woo stuff this is real science and that's been studied by nasa scientists so this we can heal that's the message of my book no matter what your trauma is big t trauma little t trauma everyone has the ability to heal because we all have within us all that we've ever needed. We have all our own wisdom. It's just, we bury it under the pain. The pain is gonna yell way more loudly at us than our wisdom when we don't know how to tap into that parts of yourself. So my book will help you tap into into that part of yourself. Well, and it's, you know, since I was saying they should go and work with people like you, if you're, you know, if they're listening, they're kind of like, well, Maybe I don't want to do that just yet because it is very scary. So what I have found, and yes, everybody can heal. And I am an example of that over the last several years. And, you know, we've talked about this, but like when men get into this work, it happens very quickly. So it's like, it's happened very quickly for me. And, but I feel like if they're, if you're not sure of what you want to do, or you're just not sure, I feel like the book is a good starting place because you can kind of, you can read it. It has the journaling exercises and you can practice it and you can kind of get comfortable with that. So then when you start to, think about maybe reaching out to a professional you're you're a little more warmed up and that's great yeah just take the mystery out of it like if anyone wants to work with me and do hypnotherapy i'm like if you're unsure of the process of what's going to happen read the book i i don't need anything i take you through the whole process so you're prepared um there was something else i was going to say but it flew out of my brain so you know, people can download the free first chapter. There okay. are a couple of courses based on my book, all on my website, JanetPhilbin.com. So it's all there for you. Uh, the three-year anniversary of my book is April in 2023. Three, three years. I oh know, which gosh. is amazing. So <laughs> I don't know when this podcast will air, but um, it's three years now. So it's amazing I, i'm still blown away by it so wow well and i feel like when people like you have had this private practice for so long and someone's like you need to write a book and like share it with the world and you're like the perfect example of that because now we have it all in the book where you don't have to necessarily find time on your calendar to do a one-to-one you can actually read the book and so that's a gift to the world and we appreciate that and then you didn't share your website we'll share your website and your facebook uh, your social media facebook instagram all that stuff in the show notes And any closing thought before we say goodbye today? Kind of what I said before, like everyone has everything they need inside of them to heal. Don't take on too much at once. 
Yeah. You'll overwhelm yourself one thing at a time, one day at a time. Everything that shows up in your life is here to teach you something. So be open to learn from your experiences and become empowered as opposed to feeling victim of. Yes. Oh, yeah, that was a good summary of everything we talked about. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Janet. Thanks, David. Thank you so much for listening to the Mindful Education Warrior podcast. I want you to know that every guest and listener is a value part of this co-creation. We're so honored that you listened and we hope that this helped you in some small or big way today. This is a community and a movement and without you, it wouldn't be possible. If you want to learn more about me, you can go to davidkrichards.com where you will find special offers for podcast listening. And as always, if you're moved by an episode, please rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. Finally, our greatest compliment is when you share an episode with someone who you believe will benefit from the message. I'm sending you so much love today and the courage to really be the mindful warrior within you. Thank you.